You know, everyone mm-hmm. always talks about like, what do they want? How do they want to be fulfilled in life? Yeah. And they certainly know, do. I always say I'm just trying to have as much fun as possible. <laughs> right. And it's definitely more fun to work for a startup or a company that's trying to grow instead of doing a job. A lot of people have jobs. You know, yeah. you get into a job and what you do every day is, you know, you do A and then B and then C and that's your job, right? Instead of like, here's the goal. Use your skills to get us there. Work with this guy's skills to get us there. And we'll work with that person's skill, that, that girl's skills to get that's us there. That's the fun stuff. Yeah. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Luciano Cast. After a pretty long hiatus, um, we are back in action, baby. I was able to sit down with my friend, Luis Vecchio. We had a slightly unprofessional conversation about absolutely nothing in particular, um, but it was very interesting. Every, everything from capitalism to uh, hunting to uh, getting deported from Venezuela. It was a great conversation. Hats off to Luis for having the great conversation with me. I hope you guys enjoy it. And with that, here is the next episode. He's just out of college, and all those kids that were applying for that job, they're like, yeah, it's $85,000 a year. I was like, you guys are 21 years old. What, 85000 Yeah, for like a 21-year-old with a college, not even like an MBA, just like a college degree. I want to work at Aldi. Yeah, that's what I'm saying, dude. I'll go work at Aldi when I graduate. I sold beer when I graduated college, mm. which is pretty legit. Like, you got broken beer at a discount. <laughs> it was pretty legit. Like the labels just like miss off and snow, you got a whole case of beer. All sorts of stuff like that. Or yeah. like the box would be messed up and they'll send it back. Mm. That's actually how we have these boxed waters. My buddy works at the, <laughs> the box water place and I think that one has like just a little bit too much silver on the top. Oh yeah. Yep. I love box water. Dude, me too. Go local. Yeah, you know, like how isn't like the whole thing about box water is that it shifts better because of the shape? It occupies more space than normal. You can get oh, more volume in it. You know what? I think that was one of the bonuses. I was part of the um, entrepreneurship club at Grand Valley, and we had um, the founder of Boxwater actually come hang out with us for a bit. And he was telling us, yeah, not only is it more sustainable, this and that, but you can ship it better. Well, yeah, so stacking is like a big deal in distribution. So when I sold beer, we I worked for Alliance Beverage, right? And that Alliance Beverage is like Miller Coors, Constellation, and a bunch of different wine brands. Miller Coors has got... Yeah, brands you've heard of. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And there's a lot of stuff under Miller Coors. And Constellation um, is a lot of like all your imports, like Am- Amstel, Heineken, all those are under Constellation. Uh, Corona. Okay. Right? Yep. We also had Red Stripe and we had Coors when they started doing the little banquet bottles. Yeah. Oh my God. So <laughs> a, tw- a 24 pack of cans, two 24 packs of cans stack in the same space that four six packs of bottles stack. Right, so okay. we take two step two like two twenty four packs, the one two of cans, yep. stack them side by side. Familiar. It occupies the exact same space as four bottles or four six packs of bottles, which come in a, a case too. So that way they can stack next to each other and they can stack on the same pallet. Okay, yep. Does that make sense? Yeah. But then Red Stripe started using their little weird bottles and Coors. Yeah. Coors started using the banquet bottles. It made our lives terrible. It was awful because <laughs> you had to you had to do a whole different like measurements or different yeah well they'll send those in and they'll be like all right put everything in the back and then you got like two two cases of this and you're like well this doesn't stack on anything and there's only there's height restrictions too you can't just like slap it on top mm. but i just like have like a disdain for those two brands because of that it's <laughs> <laughs> just like deep ingrained inside of me don't buy it yeah so it goes back to what you're saying about like the shape of stuff and how it shifts is important well louise 
want to welcome you to the podcast. Thank you, thank you. Yep, I met you through um, our good mutual friend, none other than the Anthony Lazaro. And uh, Anthony Tony. Tony. The Tones. The Tones. Anthony the Champ Lazaro, as he is in my phone. <laughs> I wouldn't give him that much credit. That's funny. I would. The dude's been really helpful for me, but I don't want to make this about Anthony. Anthony, I know you're not listening, so we can say whatever we want about you. Yeah. Anthony the Beanie Master. The Beanie Master. Yeah, the Beanie Master. You ever see his collection of beanies? No. Oh, yeah, so many beanies are ridiculous. Really? I've only seen... He's got a gray one, and I only know that because I have one that looks just like it. <laughs> I got two of hair. I can't wear a beanie. It's, in, it's insulting. Makes sense, makes sense. I mean, unless you're playing hockey, you play hockey? Yeah, I do. You play? Nobody plays hockey right now because everything's shut down, but I mm. do. I played hockey in college, which is not really that cool. I was pretty bad still. It sounds cool. Yeah, uh, I make the joke that I wasn't good enough to make a college hockey team, so I made a college hockey team. A couple of my buddies and I at Aquinas started the team there. <laughs> we were like, hey, we should play hockey. <laughs> <laughs> nice, yeah. dude. Well, that's how you got into the Title IX stuff, right? Yeah, exactly. That's how I know all the stuff about Title IX. Okay. Okay. So, like, that's a story. If we have Anthony on a podcast, we can share. Okay. Okay. Because <laughs> okay. he'll tell the story way better. Just so everybody listening knows, I'm not an asshole. It's a good thing. I'm not anti-title. Yeah. I'm not anti-equality. Yeah. Yeah. Just to clarify that one. Can I swear? I'm sorry. What's that? Can I swear? I'm sorry. Oh yeah, for okay. sure. Cool. For sure. Um, yeah. This is. Uh, it can be a family podcast, but if your fa- if your family's listening to this, I hope that. Um, you know, they're cool. All right, cool. Perfect. <laughs> I'll still try to be professional. No, no need. No need. No need at all. Any tangents are welcome. Um, yeah, I try to do like a um, mix of like my two favorite podcasts. Um, Jordan Harpenter Show. He's always trying to use every minute to be valuable for the listener. He's always looking for like a lesson and takeaway and like to do's, that kind of thing. Um, slash Joe Rogan, it, where it's just a conversation. Um, but yeah, dude, thanks for coming on. Um, wanted to say hi because. Uh, your story is just interesting, you know, like, it's not, your name's Luis. Yeah. Not Luis. Luis. It's Luis. Yeah, so I always say, when people say Luis, I always say, look white, not white. <laughs> yeah, so you look white, but you're not white. What is you? I'm, I'm, I'm Argentinian, so I, I fall under the Hispanic veil. My dad's side of the family's Italian, my mom's side of the family's Argentinian, so Luis Guillermo Vecchio. Well, yeah, 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 super ethnic, and I look real super ethnic. white. <laughs> yeah. Super white. Look real vanilla, man. Yeah. <laughs> so that's my. It's been a lot. Everybody's like Louis, Louis, uh, Luis. Mm-hmm. But then I'll say Luis, and then people still won't be confident to say Luis again back to me. So I just started saying "look white, not white," and that gets the point across perfectly. Like people do not mess it up after that. Like, ah, oh, got it. Ah, yeah. Let's pretend you're one of those people. <laughs> yeah, it works perfectly every single time. Right, man. What do you do now? Well, actually, I uh, recently am unemployed. I worked for a startup. All right, get off the podcast. No. Uh, <laughs> you worked for a startup. <laughs> yeah, so I worked for a, I worked for a steel startup, um, and we were doing we went through some through some investment rounds, and we unfortunately did not get our next round of investment. So mm. I'm in the job market, but on the side, I've been I, I run like a small web development and branding shop. Okay. So I've been doing focusing on that mostly. Yep. Which is fine. I'm looking for careers here. But before that, I was working at a steel startup, which is a sentence not many people think, not many people hear very often. No, because like steel is, you're dealing with, you were telling me like a small steel firm is like 2,000 people, 6,000 people. Oh yeah, small, it's like steel companies are huge. Like right now, there's there's really not that many steel manufacturers in the world. There's, I mean, like there's four? Uh, probably 20 in the world. Okay. 
And but there's not a lot when you're talking about the whole world. Yeah, yeah, like in the United States, there's four or five. In Canada, there's one. And the one in Canada used to be part of U.S. Steel. Um, and then, you know, Severstal in Russia. There's a couple in Europe. Um, mm-hmm. Cleveland, Cleveland, I can't even pronounce it. It's like Esseler or Metal or whatever. So there's a bunch of them. But, yeah, they're all... They're all the same thing. You know? Yeah. So you described yourself to me one time as an unchecked capitalist. Oh, yeah. What does that mean? Tell me what that is, first of all. Okay, so. Let's get into it. So (laughs) it's actually, it started because I used to call my dad that. You used to call your dad an unchecked capitalist? Yeah, I used to call my old man an unchecked capitalist. Your old man, old. All right. Yeah, yeah. Uh, And sometimes it has a negative connotation, so I always like to qualify. Like, I'm not like Mm. Adam Smith, like, you know. It's not that academic of a statement, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah, it's okay. like, I'm not like here trying to like, like, we should ruin the environment to make money. It's not that. It's typically you hear about it like some, um, I mean like, I'm like a, I'm like a tree hugger in disguise. I'm a hippie in disguise. That's how I describe myself sometimes, right? But typically you'll hear somebody saying, this unchecked capitalism. Capitalism is like a bad word now. It's weird. Yeah. I don't know. Well. It's understandable, but it's not a bad thing. Like, I, I, I get why, but it's not bad. The concept of money as a metric of success or as a goal for success, not like individuals, but like for, we'll say, uh, charter schools. Like people don't like charter schools, how like they're, they're profit driven. Okay. But as profit driven, that means that they are going to do what makes them more money, which is probably going to be better for their constituents students is why people want to bring their students there yep right so yep. so it, it should in theory create a better society a better individual product in our application of being an unchecked capitalist <laughs> i just like to sell stuff buy and sell stuff like i'll like i sell stuff on facebook all the time like all day long really yeah whatever if i see stuff that i think is undervalued i'll buy it and then use it and be like well this is boring and i'll sell it <laughs> Okay. Also, anything. But also, it's a really good tool for reusing, right? You know, like being a tree hugger or whatever you call it. Uh, reduce, reuse are like the two first things. Like, I studied sustainability in college, right? Yeah. So, reduce is very for a bit, actually. Yeah. Well, oh, yeah. yeah. So, reuse is the second most important part. And if you sell, like, yesterday I sold a Zippo lighter. <laughs> okay. Brand new, never been used before. It's like 10 years old. I put it online couple weeks ago 10 bucks some guy in arkansas sold it right bought it from me yep it cost me three dollars to ship to him i made seven dollars off of something that i found in my house that never been used but <laughs> okay i didn't throw it away it didn't get thrown away and i made seven dollars that's worth it yeah and that's the whole unchecked capitalist thing it's like my dad says everything's for sale if i make a dollar on it that's like zero regard for your time like that's the part. That's the joke. It's like zero regard for your time. Like time is worth money, and I just take zero regard. I, I was for thinking it. about that. Like, okay, wait. Did it take you like more than an hour to sell that? I, I was sitting in my house, and I was like, oh, this is brand new in the box. I posted it online, looked how much it was worth. wasn't worth anything, and I said willing to ship. And then when someone bought it, I was like, I have to go to the post office in a week. I'll send it to you then. And they're like, cool, perfect. Send a bunch of stuff to the post office. Yeah. What else have you sold? I got into bikes really bad, really bad, really well during uh, quarantine. Okay. So during quarantine, I was working for another startup that was um, 
A different startup than this real company? Yeah, yeah. It was a software software company called Popular Vault. Okay. It's for people, professionals in the music industry. It's a cool company. Uh, but, you know, as with anything, we were all hit with some cash flow issues. So I wasn't taking as much, wasn't working as much, and I wasn't taking as much of, and making as much money. Yeah. So I started biking a lot to occupy my time, and I started buying and selling and fixing bikes. Like I learned how to be like a bike mechanic, basically. Like just this year? Yeah, 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 for sure. Why not? Yeah. yeah, it was fun. It was a blast. I uh, <laughs> I basically I bought and sold like eleven bikes. Over. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, one of my buddies, Lauren Milligan, he uh, knew a bunch about bikes. Eli Luke too. He knew a bunch about bikes, and I would just throw ideas at them, and they'd be like, "Yeah, you should Google that." Then I'd Google it and figure it out, and then you know, fix and sell a bike. And like a bunch of times, it was just like relocation. Like you'd look on the lakeshore, like you look on the lakeshore for people selling yeah. bikes. People on the lakeshore would be selling bikes that were undervalued or whatever, and they'd be like, I have to drive all the way out to there to buy it. Are you willing to sell it at like a discount? I'd be like, yeah, it's no big deal. <laughs> and then on like all the bike group chats in West Michigan and stuff, they'll be like, hey, in search of or want to buy. And then you'll be like, hey, do you want this kind of bike? And people will be like, yeah. And I was like, oh, I happen to have one for sale. <laughs> and a couple of times I drove out to the lakeshore to buy a bike that I'd already sold in Grand Rapids. <laughs> Right? Hey, I didn't even have to like, like one time I didn't like, I got a good deal. I'm not like, it, I would never sell anything I wouldn't buy, but I literally didn't do anything to the bike. I just went, picked it up and brought it to this guy. Nice. And that was the deal. Other guys, you know, clean it, put this new piece on it, fix that part. You'd be surprised at how far rewrapping, cleaning it, rewrapping the handlebars with new handlebar tape would take it. Just that makes little, sense. Yeah, a little bit of elbow grease goes a long way. <laughs> I saw this thing, this lady did like, um. Her goal is to trade a bobby pin for a house. I saw that. That was crazy. You saw that? Did you see that today? No, I don't know. I feel like isn't that like a thing though? I feel like some yeah. people have done that before. Yeah, they they like try to see how like much you can trade like nothing for like where you might have into other stuff, <laughs> and like how do you like grow it and grow it and grow it? Um, but yeah, it kind of reminds me of that a little bit. Yeah, a little hustle goes a long way. <laughs> it goes back to the back to the Adam Smith thing. It's like. Uh, the core of capitalism is what I give you, I value less than what you're going to give me. <laughs> That's interesting. Well, how much do you know about Adam Smith? Uh, not that much. I've read a little bit. I, I've, so I read Wealth of Nations a long time ago. Okay. I uh, recently watched uh, Requiem for an American Dream with Noam Chomsky. Don't think I've heard of that. I've heard of him. The yeah. psychologist, right? Yeah, yeah. It's... Uh, it's wild. It's interesting stuff. It talks. There's a lot of pieces in it, but what yeah. I was the, the biggest piece that I found interesting in there was when he talked about how like the the ruling class used to be the people that man that ran manufacturing, and now then the ruling class is people that manage finance, and now the ruling class is people that are in government. So that's one of the things he talked about. But anyways, huh. the reason I was thinking about Adam Smith is because he talked a lot about it in there. That's interesting. So I probably could go back. If I'm going to start yelling, I'm an unchecked capitalist, I probably should go back and read Wealth of Nations. <laughs> no, dude. <laughs> but be a little more educated, I want to say. Yeah. That's kind of interesting, though. I don't know if that's a good thing or if we know enough to riff on it, but like that, um, the ruling class, manufacturing, and what was the middle one you said? So finance. The finance. Yeah. The finance part really is the interesting part. Is like the industry of finance, and this is not a knock by any means, but the industry of finance is, is hard for people to grasp because it's like, making money without do, creating value like the creating value entering something in the market is what's changed 
We're interested. That triaging is what it, right? yeah. what they call it? arbitrage. Arbitrage. That's what it was. Arbitrage. Yeah. Financial arbitrage. Well, what's it? Is it Procter and Gamble? No, GE. So that's what they, the example that they use for them is it's GE is a publicly traded company, yep. and GE makes more money from their financial, the things that they do with their finances, than they do from their product. Dude, yeah, I knew a guy who. Um, wait, sorry, I didn't think of it. No, I knew no, a guy who sold the company for one hundred and fifty million dollars, right? And I said, Steve, how did you do this, right? And he goes, We had three rules to our innovation, to how we did it, right? One is what you do in your four walls, right? So like your regular everyday processes, make sure those are up to speed, bada bing, bada boom. Number two was innovation. So what they actually did was they were in the hardware space um, and they organized their hardware shop to look like a grocery store. So that's why you see like Lowe's and, and Home Depot, like it's basically a giant Meyer, but they're selling um, you know, Lowe's stuff instead of Meyer stuff, instead of groceries. Um, and then the third piece, how they made the other 50 million uh, was financial arbitrage. Yeah, it's a wild, it's a wild game. I don't know, it's, it's <laughs> above my pay grade. I, I, I find it interesting. Of course. Have you ever read um, Barbarians at the Gate? No. It's the story of like RJR Nabisco. The, I don't know that is either. Uh, RJ Reynolds, the cigarette company? No. Uh, do you know what a leverage buyout is in LBO? No. One of the things, there's a lot in it. It's a hearty read, like it's a thick old book. Okay. Um, and uh, one of my buddies, Charlie Wondergen's like, you should read this book. And I was like, okay. And he's like, also we're gonna have to Google a lot of things in there, which I did, like half the time I was reading the book, I was like Googling it. Yeah. And, but it like basically talks about the first like leverage buyout and really talking about how the LBO leverage yeah, buyout yeah changing an industry like creating the the role of the industry of not so much creating the industry of private equity but like, like the first people to like really bring a company from public to private yeah somebody had to figure out how to do that right yeah and it's do a bunch it of crazy first time. stuff it's a bunch of crazy stuff huh. is but it a how to manual or is it just like no a, it's a story it's a, story. It's a great story barbarians at the gate you can, I think you can read the abridged version and get the idea of it <laughs> I, I probably should probably should have done that. What are you reading now? Right now, I'm actually reading Tipping Point. Tipping Point? Malcolm Gladwell? Yeah. Ha! <laughs> I know that is. That's a great book. I like Malcolm Gladwell a lot. Yeah. You kind of get some heat in, like, in some, like, the modern circles for being, like, reiterating other ideas. And I was like, isn't that, like, all research now? That's all. Yeah. Well, I think anytime... Look, man. If you're at the top, they're going to be shooting arrows at you. You know? Yeah. Like, you can't... Yeah. What is the, uh, the the monkeys in the tree thing? That's actually that's more of a management thing. But it's a, anyway, the monkeys. <laughs> Tell us that anyway. You know the <laughs> monkeys in the tree thing? It's like where everyone's in the monkeys in the tree. All the monkeys in the bottom, all they look up is and see assholes. But when the monkeys in the top look down, all they see are smiling faces. <laughs> that's funny. <laughs> that's more about management. <laughs> yeah, I think so. It was almost it was almost almost poignant. But yeah, no. So the tipping point, I uh, I read it a long time ago, and I remember it being. At least the first part of it was about uh, like virus, the spreads of virus and stuff like that. Of tipping point. Yeah, yeah. We oh. talked about like we talked about HIV and like viruses and talked about like moving things over the edge. Like why do things spread and how do they spread? Like that's the con- mm. that's so the tipping point. Yeah, yeah. That's one of the concepts of the book, okay. right? They actually talk about Wolverine, Hush Puppies, which is a West Michigan based oh, company. I'm like imagining like the the claw guy, but now I'm imagining the company here yeah, in Rockford. Yeah, in Rockford, which is pretty cool to hear. Um, so that's what I'm reading right now because I was like, this is poignant. Plus, I just bought it online. Because 
I have a book list. Okay. And I listen to my books a lot, but I also read them. Yep. Sometimes I do a little bit of both, but yep. lot, sometimes I'll just listen to a book and then I'm super vain. So I want everybody to know that I've read that book. So I need the hardcover. <laughs> so I've been buying my books, a lot of books on thrift books. Nice. I know, I'll be like, I'll read them. Sometimes I'll post like, I'm about to sit down and read for the night and I'll post on Instagram a picture of the book and I'll say, you know, book of the night. And sometimes I'll only read like a paragraph. <laughs> you know, I'm okay. less than that. And I'll like post it on Instagram like I'm, like I'm such a big reader. <laughs> so that's one of the things that I've been struggling with is I am, um, it's not like a, I don't want to sound like I'm too dedicated. I'm just like too bullheaded. Like I'll, hmm. if I started a book, I'm going to finish it. Okay. But there's a book. I cannot remember what it's called. There's a book. It's like about how to read books. Hmm. I uh, actually I like those. I, I cared about it. On, like, I think it was on the Tim Ferriss podcast. I heard about it. That sounds like a Tim Ferriss thing. Yes. Yeah. And his like thing is he's like, it's okay to put a book down. Like it's okay if it doesn't fascinate you. And I'm just too stubborn. That's, I'm, I'm like, I'm working on my own tipping point for that too because I'll read it start to finish because like I want to say that I read that book right I want to have this book and tell you Louise look at this book that I read aren't I so smart kind of thing right um, but like I think it was Raj Raghunathan I heard him on the Joe Rogan podcast and he was saying like treat your library like a buffet like just read until you're interested to the investor he is okay yeah yep um, it might have been him that I thought and I was talking that I'm referring to then, but yeah, it's like a, I don't want to say it's a problem, but <laughs> I also, anything, anything good is also a problem. Yeah, like so your, your talent's also like your curse. <laughs> yeah. So I, here's what, here's something I feel too. I hate like, have you heard, have you heard of Blinkist? Blinkist. It's like an app. I see ads for it sometimes. Mm, if you buy enough books on the Google store, you'll start getting hits with ads for it. I promise. Mm, I don't think I've ever bought from the Google store. Google, you remember Google audiobooks? I stopped buying audiobooks, by the way, guys. <laughs> Everybody that's listening, do not buy audiobooks. What? Listen, 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 listen. I, life hack. Go to your library. Get a library card. Then go download Overdrive. And you can rent audiobooks. For free? For free. For free. For free. Mm. And then you return them. That's... If I, you take anything away from me, take that. That's great. That, that is probably pretty good. Yeah. I think there's probably a fair amount of people who would listen to this who like audiobooks. Yeah, go. It changed my life, dude. <laughs> there's so many books. There's so what many books. What do you spend money on now? Me? Uh, ammo. <laughs> <laughs> really? <laughs> a shotgun ammo. I've been shooting a lot of Okay. But wait, I'll talk about that in a second. I was going to okay, say a okay. thing and we got distracted. What were you saying a second ago? Blinkist. This is what I think about the Blinkist app. It's like this app that comes out and talks about summaries, like the summary of books. Oh. And like you can get like these academic books and then they summarize them for you. And I was like, I feel like that's a shortcoming. Like, I, I don't know if I, I don't want to say I'm better than that, but I don't want to do that because the reason you read the book is because like with a song. You take it in. Yeah, with like a song, with like a comedian, like, or whatever piece of art, whether it's art or academic, the, the whole like the foreplay, for lack of a better word, <laughs> getting you there is how they get you to think like they're thinking and then accept their thought processes instead of it just being like, here's a list of things and now remember those. Because otherwise the list, I feel like the list or whatever, like the big takeaways yeah. hit harder if you follow through with them. That makes sense. Those takeaways are good if you have a test on it and you don't give a shit about it and you're just going to move on. Right? Agreed. But like, 
Uh, here's another thing that drives me cool. I hate when people s- s- change songs in the middle of a song. Like, really? It grinds my gears so bad. <laughs> people will be like, oh, I put this song on. I want to play this one. I was like, play the whole song. It's and okay. then let's switch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The artist wrote the whole... Or when like you're, someone's like has a playlist. Not so much now because you have like, Spotify, but like back yeah. in college and stuff. And like, people would be like, the playlist god. Mm-hmm. Be like, mm-hmm. right? Like, maybe a couple seconds before the song ends, they'll, they'll play the next song. It's like, yo, the artist wrote the whole song. Interesting. Let's listen to the whole song. That's bullheaded, bullheadedness. Oh, yeah, dude. I'm stubborn as hell. <laughs> well, that's a good thing, though. Yeah, yeah. So you said, what are you spending money on? Shooting skeet. It's very expensive, guys. <laughs> ammo is very expensive. Especially shotgun ammo, especially right now when, when, you, oh, get a, it's when you have a pandemic and people are uh, freaking out about this and that, buying all the ammo and toilet paper and, yeah. and, and Clorox wipes. Luckily, people aren't stark, stocking up on target loads, which is what you use to shoot that stuff. They're, they're stocking is that up. The, is the target load the skeet? Yeah, so shotgun shells come in different sizes, and then okay. within those, like, 10, or 10, 10 is, 10 is a gauge. But not 10 a gauge. gauge. 12 gauge, 20 gauge, 28 gauge, and then 410. Mm-hmm. Um, and then within those, you have different like types of loads, like a waterfowl, like you're hunting and stuff like that. Oh. The bead, it has to do with the beads. Like stuff. plastic. Yeah, no, different, no, no, no. different materials, different shapes. So they're, all, different. they're all either lead or steel. So okay. if you're hunting waterfowl over water, you have to use steel, right? Protect the environment. Because hunters. Oh, are so you don't put lead into the environment. Because mm-hmm. hunters are conservationists. We can... That's probably true. Yeah. <laughs> Most of conservation is funded by hunters. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. And it stops, like, overpopulation of deer, which is, one, good for the roads, two, good for the environment. Yeah. Most hunters, pretty much every hunter I know, actually, I would struggle to find a hunter that takes game and doesn't eat it. It mm. takes game. It's not like a conservationist. Like, a lot of hunters are like... There's more hunters like Steve Rinella and Remy Warren who are... Podcast. Who are these guys? Steve Rinella is from Grand Rapids. Or he's from near Grand Rapids. He went to, he went to Grand Valley. He's on the Joe Rogan podcast all the time. Is he? Oh, okay. But he's, he, yeah, Steve Rinella, Remy Warren. There's more hunters like that than, than your like, typical, like, Bubba Gump. I'm going to go murder a deer. <laughs> There's more hunters who are thinking about the whole ecosystem of the mm-hmm. hunting process. Yeah, they respect the rules. There's a lot of rules and laws to it. Mm, that um, makes sense. That was the other thing, too, is that, um, and it's not always the case, but uh, people always, um, they're always crying about something, but they're always crying about like um, big game hunting. Like you see someone killed a zebra or they killed a lion, whatever they're crying about. And it's like- It's a complicated issue. It's a complicated issue because at face value, you're like, oh my God, this zebra, this beautiful zebra, right? But then you're like, look, it's in a poor country. They don't have any sources of revenue. They don't have any businesses. There's and, no money coming in. And somebody paid $75,000. Even more. And more to shoot that zebra. And that is what, that $75,000 is what pays for the rangers to make sure that nobody kills those zebras illegally. There's an additional piece to that too, is that they don't give tags to just go murder a zebra or murder a lion or murder a, uh, an elephant. So it's not like a ravenous thing. No, no, no. There's specific tags in specific areas that target specific animals. Right, like when they give you an elephant tag, they have they will generally have one or two elephants in mind that you have to hunt. It has to be a, a male, usually mm. that's past breeding age. Mm. Right, when they're past breeding age, they're just using resources or like elephants, for example, rhinos, not rhinos. I think it's elephants will go after like non like young males and like kill them, and that's actually worse because those if they're past their breeding age, then they're just yep. like rough 
and they kill other animals. So animals that would be taken down by the rangers for conservation efforts. And that's a hard thing for people to understand is that animals yeah. need to be killed for conservation. Yeah. But it's true, especially nowadays, like with invasive species and all that, like management, preservation, and conservation, all of those different pieces, they are a complicated issue. And people don't have an issue. Like if you if you lay this com- argument out, you're like, listen, here's why the ranger is going to go take this animal. Yeah. Right? People will be like, I understand that. And then all of a sudden you say, this dentist is going to pay $200,000 to go shoot that animal. Everybody's like, whoa, 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 whoa. But like, if you go back and follow the same line of logic, it makes sense. And in addition to people make money, there's money to be made. Capitalism. (laughs) (laughs) Unchecked. Perfect. I think we can have a drink. Can I let you do that? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Nope, don't don't pause me. Oh, don't pause you. You want one? Yes, please. Mm-hmm. Um, Shorts Brew Mule Beers. I was surprised that they exist, and I had to try them. I love that they come in a copper can. Thank you, sir. Um, I don't think the can's actually copper, but it's got a copper color on the outside. It, it actually says, I think, best served in copper on the thing, but I don't have like the mule thing. So. That's another thing. That's like the best. First of all, I used to call them Stockholm goats. What? <laughs> I used to call them... Moscow Mule Stockholm Goats because I thought it was funny. Stockholm Goats. Yeah, I think I thought it was funny. Because Stockholm's in Russia and goats from I don't know Moscow Mule. Well, Stockholm's in Sweden, right? Someone fact. Jamie. <laughs> yeah, Jamie. Jamie, look that up. <laughs> I think it's uh, Stockholm in Sweden. Yeah. Damn, I need a Jamie eventually. Right. Yeah. Uh, but I used to call him Stockholm Stockholm Syndrome. But I used to call him Stockholm Goats because I thought it was hilarious. But mm. that's another thing. Like that marketing on that was ridiculous. Like I don't know. How, they're like, you should put this in a copper cup, and everybody's like, this makes me interesting. I'm gonna order this. It's the same, the same people that own that buy those, and the same people that are like, I get whiskey when I go to the bar. I'm like, cool, bro. I get beer. What? What's wrong with getting whiskey at the bar? Hey, people are like, okay, let's say back when you could go out, and people are like, you know, it's like a bar night, You're like one o'clock in the morning, and people are, ah, uh, I'll have the Macallan 12 year. You're like, dude. Get all, get a get, get a Jack Daniels if you really want a whiskey. I'm like, you're drunk right now. You don't even know the difference. You're 26. What are you doing? Yeah, there's seven of us at the table. Eight of us just ordered Coors Lights, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah just get get a Coors Light. It makes her job easy. Otherwise, she's gonna go dig for this thing, and you're gonna end up paying off the ass for this thing. And you're drunk. You don't even notice the difference. But it's like a statement. It's the same people. It's the same people that get the Moscow Mule at the bar. Like I'm drinking out of a copper cup. That's funny. Cool, bro. Oh, my God. I ordered Moscow meals, but not at the bar. With dinner. Yeah. Is that different? Is that different? That's a completely different story. Completely different. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's when, like, the drinking is, like, an experience. Yes. You're drinking. If you're with the boys or with a group and you guys are just drunk, then, like, that's not a drinking experience. You got the experience is, like, the social aspect versus dinner. The experience is the dinner. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All about it. Like if you're getting a steak, get a red wine with it. You get a fish, get a white wine with it. Oh, you gonna do this? Like, I'm gonna have a, a nice whiskey. That's an experience. I'm all about it. Yeah. But like if you're like after dinner, let's go have a cocktail at a cocktail bar. You have one there. That's a cool thing. And then after that cocktail bar, that's when you're done drinking those because you've had a couple of cocktails. <laughs> There's no reason to get. There's no reason to get a Macallan at Pepino's. You know. No. No. Look, you're at Joey's Tavern. Get a freaking Coors Light. Yeah, exactly. Get a PBR. You're right. 
People, I people, love PBR. All right, I thought you'd be a cool PBR guy. People get real um, ornery either side of, of PBR. You know what I mean? PBR is the cheapest beer always. It's always on draft too. Yep. And it's got the highest alcohol content out of all the macro beers. Really? Yeah, it's like four point eight. Is there a difference between on draft and not on draft? I mean, I prefer on draft because I like drinking out of a glass for starters. I'm not. I'm very bougie. Yeah, I'm the same way. I order um, Oberon. Mainly because it comes with an orange. Yeah. Perfect. And I don't put the orange in it. I keep the orange on the side because it looks cool. Yeah. <laughs> so I prefer on draft because of that. Some people think it tastes better. If you go to like a crappy bar, they may not. Like a dive bar or like a crappy bar? No, like a bar that doesn't take care of themselves. How's that? <laughs> <laughs> sure. <laughs> there's like some dive bars like clean their lines. Like some bars do not clean their lines as well as they should. Mm-hmm. And you'll notice that that always is like, eh. Then mm-hmm. I'll switch over to in bottle or whatever. Mm, that makes sense. How do you notice that they don't clean their lines? You'll notice, unless you're drunk. <laughs> it tastes like stale. I got gotcha. you. Huh. All right, mm. all right. So where do you shoot at? Kent Conservation or Kent County Conservation League. Mm. Do you hunt? Uh, a little bit. Are you a conservationist? I would like to say so. I'm not very good at hunting. <laughs> a little bit. I just actually, truthfully, I just I've always been supportive of hunting. Okay. Even before you were hunting. Yeah, yeah. Really, I really like. I think that. People are disconnected from their meat. Yeah. Um, it's, yeah. So I, I'll start with a story and then bring it back through. Please. So my family in Argentina and in the States as well is involved in the dairy industry. Um, mm. So I, I feel like that was like a humble statement, like involved with the dairy industry. But you're like, yeah, my family owns like these huge, massive dairy farms. And they got cows, bro. <laughs> so, they, uh, so I went and worked in Argentina. And I worked in like the dairy and the meat industry, right? In the States, we have family that own slaughterhouses as well, right? So I went down there after college, after I sold beer, worked in the dairy industry for a while. And, you know, like you went to those, you, you see the cows, you watch them get raised, and then you watch them get raised. So you've seen cows from the babies. Calves, relatively. There was a lot of cows. I don't like know. I was like, I don't know, like mini me over here, and then watch it and take it to the house. Gasper or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you see, like they call them like generations, like la cria. So you like see like la cria. The, yeah, like that's like the that generation basically. Okay. So you'd be like, all right, well, this is this one. Oh, they're going to be, Novicia. They're going to be taken to a slaughter, right? So like, oh, I was out there when they were born. <laughs> so I know I've seen those animals before. But like, did, did you drive them to the slaughterhouse? No, no, they back a truck up for it. I can't. I, they would not trust me with that big of a car, especially not in Argentina. They drive like animals down there. <laughs> um, but you realize, like everyone knows that meat is an animal. Yep. But like you're a little bit more connected as a result of it. Yeah. Right. And that's always been like a thing. Like I never wanted to be a vegetarian because you know I'm a tower food chain, right? <laughs> but I think that we should eat more vegetables. That's cool. Yeah. But also, I feel that if people hunted, or if people, I think that people just took one animal. If, just, they, if they had the experience of killing one animal? Yeah, just take, yeah. Killing, we like to use the words take or harvest. Ah. The word kill and murder is a little bit gross. Very, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it... Whatever. It's a different connotation, right? Yeah, it's a different, it has a different meaning, too, realistically. Right. Like, we, if we're joking around, we're like, I'm going to go murder some dicks. But yeah. realistically, every duck that we've taken or harvested, we've eaten. Yep. Right? My friend uses the, the, the plumes to make uh, flies out of. Check your flies. It's, a, on, it's an online 
fly fishing marketplace, the angler's marketplace. Check it out. It's pretty sweet. If you yeah. guys tie flies, you can like sell and trade flies on it. Um, but, you know, you shoot the duck and then you eat it. It, it provided sustenance for you. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And But you shot it yourself. Yeah, exactly. You know, you, you figure out where it is. You go. You hunt it. Yeah. You, I've got like a like a low level of guilt. Perhaps it should be bigger. But like of, you know, just buying meat at Meyer or something like that. Right? And it's like, I know this was a cow. And I also know that I would not be willing to kill a cow. But I'm definitely willing to eat this. Yeah. And I feel weird about that. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like I should either not be okay with eating it or be okay with killing a cow or with harvesting a cow. Yeah, yeah. And that's a huge part of it. And I think that, like, and this is gonna, this is a Joe Rogan line, but, like, vegetarians don't eat harmless food either. Right? Ooh. You know, like, those big combines and stuff that go through the, the heart, that go and harvest all the corn and stuff like that, there's critters there that get chewed up by those combines all the time. And I can attest to it. When we worked in Argentina, we also had land that, that would do, um, that would, we would grow our alfalfa or corn or whatever it was down there. Yeah. We, they all the time pulling guts out of those things of like critters, hares, hams. Serious. Deer they're laying down, baby deer. Those, they, they also die. So like saying that. Eating vegetables is yeah. like clean. Exactly. Like consumption is based around consuming life. Hmm. And it should be respected. And I think that hunting is a way to do so. As a way, as I found it as a way for me to respect it a little bit more. That makes sense. Because, like, if you eat, like, if you eat, like, tuna, for example, right? Uh, I think that's caught in a net. Or something that's caught in a net, right? And, you, and it's like, if you eat that tuna, assuming that it's caught in a net, you're also saying I'm okay with, in a way, not directly, but also you're saying it's okay that... It, I'm okay that it killed 12,000 sea turtles last year. Yeah, dude, it's a whole thing. I'm okay that it killed a, a whale that got caught in it. A baby whale. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, There's a whole, like, taking that, like, extrapolating that concept, externalities as a whole, people mm-hmm. do not take, people don't take those into account. Yeah. Right? Like, consumerism, and here's going back to Luis being an unchecked capitalist, might actually be a compliment, Right? Consumerism is not the greatest thing in the world. Like it is great, creates a lot of value in the world. But like, you know, you collect if you collect tennis shoes, like those tennis shoes were not made by people with wages in the United States, right? Like that's something you need to realize. And if you you know eat this type of food that was caught in that net, right? You may have gotten sustenance or just like that that line. Does that make like there's always a line that gets followed, and people don't. It's not a straight line. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a tree. It's a branch. Because there's yeah. other things, boom, 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 butterfly effect. Yeah, it's a little dark. It's dark. It's, it goes places. Well, it's hard. I think that's why, like, um, I just watched uh, the, the Queen's Gambit, and so now I'm, like, all about chess all over again. Um, but like, <laughs> I'm so bad at chess. <laughs> well, exactly. Exactly. Because to be good at chess, you have to understand, like, in a way, externalities. If I do this, then he's or may or may not do this and that. And if he may or may not does that, do this. Sorry, but... Like it's hard to predict what's gonna happen next, right? It's hard to track that in your brain to keep track of, like, your one move isn't just one move. Your one move, no matter what it is, if it's in chess or you're driving or you're eating something, it's got implications on other stuff. Mm-hmm. And understanding all of those implications is obviously impossible, but like understanding that there are implications is like a step that people have to take. 
Yeah, and I don't know, going, bringing this back into the hunting thing, it's like, for me, the important part is, for better or for worse, I was at least in control of this. Yeah. Right? Like, at least I know that. I at least know that this animal, this is the best way this animal could have died. Mm. Right? Versus how they're done in... Well, you, like, take, like, outside of, like, you know, factory farming, all that stuff. Like, yeah. if I go and hunt, if I hunt a deer or a duck or a pheasant or whatever, dying at the hands of a hunter is the best way for it to go. Really? Hunters put a lot of effort into making sure that their game, their quarry is taken harmlessly mm-hmm. and painlessly, right? It's a lot of effort. People will let animals go because they cannot shoot it in a way that they felt. Like, if it's facing away from them, they'll let it go because they're like, I cannot take that in good conscience mm. without offering more pain for it. But like, I don't know if you follow, if you ever seen nature's metal on Instagram, no great Instagram, definitely follow it. But like nature is wild. Like they do not care. Like they don't care. <laughs> a, de- a bear. If you get, if an animal, if a, an animal gets eaten by a predator or a bear or whatever it is, they'll eat that thing alive. They won't kill it. Like if it eats by a snake, that's going to break its neck and stuff like that. It'll be terrible. People are always like, Oh man, that owl is so cute. And I'm like, that owl will snatch your poodle so fast. Yeah. Have you ever seen a falcon eat a like a rat? Or the only reason I said that, I've not seen that actually. The only reason I say that is because I legit saw that like last week when I was in I was down in Florida. What? Uh, I saw a falcon like eating a rat, and the rat was like leg back legs were moving, but it was like pulling its guts out. Like that. This is aggressive. That's nature. Yes. They don't care that it's suffering. They're eating. Right, so yeah. die and like second piece is like if that animal gets a disease, that animal breaks its leg. That is a slow and painful death. Mm. Dying at the hands of a hunter is the being harvested by a hunter is the fastest, best, safest, or not safest, safest, fastest, best, easiest way to go. Yeah, and it's probably better than like living in a farm where you're being raised to become food. Yeah, that's the thing. Uh, South America yeah. creates better f- meats because they let the animals free range, hmm. right? And creates actually creates better food. I believe it. Here, the factory farming is kind of it's kind of a disgusting industry. It's not disgusting in South America. I would say it's less okay. disgusting. Like, they, I mean, they they let a lot of land. They 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 allow a lot of land for the animals to roam, hmm. and it creates. Creates better beef, first of all. If they're, they're feeding naturally on like um, like alfalfa, which is pretty common. They'll grow alfalfa in the field and they'll let the cows eat that. Yep. It creates better fat on the cow. And then they'll put like water on one side and then they have like supplemental feed on the other. Mm. So at the field, and it makes the cows walk back and forth. Mm. So it makes them move and it creates better meat, which is the opposite of like wagyu beef. Wagyu beef, they like make the animal not move at all and they get all fat and stuff. That's a whole thing. But interesting. It makes a better life or a happier cow, I guess. <laughs> the thing, oh, this is one thing. I, this is something I always have to say. In the United States, or you always hear like, uh, do I say people or do I say hippies? Uh, Either one's good. Either one's all right. Uh, you'll hear hippies where you see like, they take the baby cow away from its mother and put it in a crate. Which that is, sounds bad to me. Which is true. Right now I'm on the hippie side. They take them away because otherwise they're gonna get trampled in the packs, mm. and they put them in these crates with like a what they call like a run in front of it, so they can move them, and then they feed them in that crate for like two or three weeks, so mm-hmm. they're big enough and they have enough weight on their body, yeah, so they can go back and not get trampled by the other cows. That makes sense then. 
But again, it talks about that thing you were saying earlier where like that picture might be a bad picture, but the logic, you would agree with the logic. Yeah. There's a lot to it and every, every issue is complicated. Of course. I yeah. say a lot of people agree on more things than they believe. What about driving in Argentina? Oh my God. What is that like? I only did it for a little bit. <laughs> they, so they have reciprocity with our driver's license. So what does that mean? So like reciprocity, like if I have a license here, they accept it down there. Oh, okay. Right? Yeah. Um, so I, they accepted my driver's license down there. I did it for like three weeks. I was like, nah. Why? It wasn't worth it. Taxes were cheap. Okay. Right? I didn't want to have to buy a car. I was borrowing a car. I was like, I'm just going to be a mooch. <laughs> or, or taxi everywhere. But they don't drive? They, they drive differently or they don't? Yeah. First of all, there's no lines on the road. What? There, there is, but no one agrees to them. So the cities are... <laughs> so the city, there's two big factors there. People drive like animals down there, but the cities are really tight grids. Okay. Really, really tight grids. They call it La Manzana. I'm imagining like that classic picture of like somebody scootering around in Italy when they're just like... Zoop, 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 zoop. I mean, you wouldn't ride a scooter there. You would get hit. I mean, people who ride scooters and motorcycles. But uh, it's pretty wild. But it's a really tight grid. And at the intersections of the grids, there's no stop signs. What? Yeah, everyone's just... It's a cult, It's like an assumed yield. It makes traffic go better, I guess. That sounds deadly. It's crazy, but there are actually a lot less accidents, I guess. Really? So everyone's like, because there's no stop sign... Because you have are, to be looking. Yeah, people are more aware. It's something I've been doing, I guess, in England, too, lately. Huh. In England, they um, there's like those big roundabouts where yeah. they, they just erase the middle part and then expanded the roundabout, and like it's open season. And I guess because everyone's like, all right, well, I got to be aware of myself. There's less accidents. Instead of like, I'm assuming that I have a stop sign, so is that person... I did my duty. I'm just gonna fuck off through this thing and get, <laughs> yeah. get T-boned by this other guy. <laughs> That's interesting. So, uh, but on the highways and stuff like that, people drive so fast, right. and they're just like driving the middle lane, <laughs> like on the line, stuff like that. <laughs> like, All right, dude. Cool. I'd be done with that too. Then, if that was the case, dude, it was wild. All right. So you had worked for the beer company. Um, went to Argentina, mm-hmm. and then. After that, you're done. What did you do after that? Well, I got deported, technically. What? It's not that bad. It sounds terrible. It's it ter- deportation is like a process. Okay. Uh, it's like um, impeachment. Impeachment is not technically like removal from office. Removal from office is removal from office. Yep. Impeachment's a process. Okay. So my visa had expired, and there was um, there was like a gray area because I had left and come back, but apparently I wasn't allowed to do that. And they were like, well, you have to leave. You had to leave three months ago. And I was like, well, I'm still here. He's like, well, you officially have to leave. And I was like, okay. <laughs> so I had to leave in three months, which worked out well because my apartment lease ended in three months too. Oh, okay. Perfect. So, I mean, I didn't get like taken away in handcuffs. <laughs> so after you got... It was very civil. Yeah. <laughs> I'd imagine they were like knocking at your door. No, it was <laughs> very civil. Very civil. Gotcha. Gotcha. So what did you do when you got back to the States? I worked for a marketing firm Mm. called Dexia. Mm. Worked on like the business development and marketing strategy side. That's where I met Lauren and Eli, the guy. Eli didn't work there, but Lauren and Eli. I met them through those guys, the guys that I biked with. I worked there for three years, two and a half years. Really? Yep. And then from there, I stepped out to go work with um, the software, the marketing firm there. Or not the marketing firm, the software startup in the music industry. Yeah. And then after that, that's when I went and worked in the steel industry, mm, mm. which is 
It's still a weird sentence to say you work for a startup in the steel industry. <laughs> if you know, you know. Yeah, that is weird. Like steel, steel innovation, nothing in the steel industry has changed in the last like 185 years. What, I feel like that means it's ripe for innovation. Well, we, we thought we were going to change the world. We, I still feel like we would we would have changed the world. We, Should you have gotten that round of funding? Yeah, it was a little bit of a... It wasn't a metric-based failure. It was more of a... We What's not, a metric-based failure? Like, we did not fail to fulfill our metrics of success, our KPIs, or the investors. That's not why oh. they didn't invest in us. There's in international funders, venture capital firms that were kind of in a heat between them and we were just kind of the uh, the, the lost child. We kind of got, we kind of got the, got the boot. We got the short end of the stick. Hmm. Did you find other investors? Or are you just out of time? It was a little bit of both. We, I mean, I, I wasn't on the uh, investment team so I can't speak too much to it, but it was hmm. probably, if we would have known that this was coming, we probably could have gotten ahead of it and done a better job, but. Hmm. No big deal. There's always next time. Hmm. What is cool. next time? We'll see. Uh, that's what I'm trying to do. I, I probably should get a more stable job. The the, the startup <laughs> game is fun. It is fun. <laughs> it is. Uh, is you leave your out with a job a couple times? Everyone there. Everyone's like, everyone has high aspirations when they go into the startup thing. Of course. Everyone's like, yeah, VC backed, investment funded, <laughs> early stage startup role. <laughs> And then it's everyone, true, it's true. Yeah, everyone just imagines like steel case furniture and ping pong tables. Steel case furniture, ping pong tables, and your CEO dresses in a black turtleneck and gets up on stage and presents to people the new That's product. hilarious. What is that, the Theranos? <laughs> no, I was thinking of Steve Jobs, oh. but the Theranos thing makes sense Theranos, too. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, we didn't have any steel case furniture. We had four steel case chairs in the laboratory, and they weren't any of mine. I didn't get to sit in a steel case chair, which is Delicious. trash. What a shame. What a shame. You're in Grand Rapids, right? Yeah, we did have a ping pong table, and our CEO wore a hoodie, but... Hmm. but it was almost California. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, they came from California, so they were they were a Silicon Valley startup. We, they were really? from Chicago. They went to Silicon Valley. They got backed by uh, Coastal Ventures, which is like... Never heard of them. Coastal Ventures, one of the big three. Coastal Vinod. I should probably have heard of them by now. Yeah, he, uh, what is it? Uh, Sequoia Capital. I've heard of that. Yeah, yeah. So oh, they're, they're those just, guys are the big boys. Yeah, they're in, they're a little bit smaller than Sequoia, but they're in the same conversations. Hmm. Um, and then they moved to Grand Rapids. Uh, Hello West Michigan brought them to West Michigan to West Michigan, um, and the MEDC, which is a pretty sweet organization. They they brought because we had a bunch of smart people. They brought them to Grand Rapids hmm. and helped them establish here. So. It was, really? It was great for Grand Rapids. I mean, they brought 18 people to Grand Rapids. I think, no. They brought yeah, more than 10 people to Grand Rapids. And these were high income, high education people that brought a lot of value to Grand Rapids. Yeah. Where are those people now? Are they going back to California? A little bit of that, a little bit of this. A um, couple okay. of them moved out, a couple of them moved to Chicago. A lot of them are still here, though. Sweet. What are they going to do now? Hopefully find jobs. Uh, <laughs> that's the goal. So we've actually, the whole team, we're working really hard to help everybody find jobs. A lot of introductions amongst everybody that we know. Um, they're really smart. Like, they're the smartest people. What kind of people? Like, like are they, are well, they CEO type people? Are they there's, I mean, there's a couple of those. There's a couple of, like, executives, but, like, a lot of lab technicians. Lab technicians, like, a, I guess it's not. A, it's like saying secretary now. There's a term for it. <laughs> <laughs> lab. And uh, you can't say that word. Say like executive assistant, mm-hmm. which is office a, coordinator. Yeah, which is skill set, right? <laughs> but I guess the word secretary is rude. Yeah, well, it's got a connotation to it. Yeah, yeah. 
Not that I agree or disagree with any of it, but you know, like, I, 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 see I, the I think it's lab engineers and stuff like that. Ooh, process okay. engineers, a lot of engineers, steel engineers, chemical engineers. Um, mm. There's like a P, couple PhDs, people that went to Stanford, Princeton. Yeah, please hang out in Grand Rapids. Yeah, smart people, like smart people, people that we should be proud of that came to Grand Rapids. Really? Mm-hmm. Mm. 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 So you want to do another startup? You want to be part of another startup? I don't know. <laughs> he says. <laughs> I know what I want. <laughs> I like it. It's fun. It's what more do you want? I, it's more exciting to do that. It is exciting. You know, everyone mm-hmm. always talks about like what do they want? How do they want to be fulfilled in life? Yeah. And you know, do. I always say I'm just trying to have as much fun as possible. <laughs> right. And it's definitely more fun to work for a startup or a company that's trying to grow instead of doing a job. A lot of people have jobs. You know, yeah. you get into a job and what you do every day is, you know, you do A and then B and then C and that's your job, right? Instead of like here's the goal. Use your skills to get us there. Work with this guy's skills to get us there, and we'll work with that person's skill, that that girl's skills. To get That's us the there. fun stuff. Yeah, you do yeah. different stuff every day. What do you What did you do today? Well, I had to Google how to do. Like I called Anthony yesterday or a couple days ago. I was like, "What are you doing?" He goes, "I'm Googling." And I was like, "What are you Googling?" He's like, "I have to learn how to do this thing." And I was like, "That's so exciting!" It is exciting. It's exciting, dude. He's like, "Yeah, I don't know. I have to do a thing. I have to Google it because I don't know how to do it." <laughs> but it's my responsibility. And I was like, "Sweet." Yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm kind of the same boat where it's like, um, I'm trying to do things or make sure that I'm in a position to do things that like are not a job. Like the last thing I want is a job. The, what I do want, like you said, similar thing, is I want to have fun. I want to have as much fun as possible. If I'm not going to be having fun, like I don't see the point. <laughs> you know, I don't know if that's like a, I don't, I don't want to be negative or dark about that, but I think it's beautiful. Man, there's too much... Life is way too short to hate any of it. That's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> Trying as much fun as possible. I'm gonna start saying that more. <laughs> I like it. Yeah, I think. Uh, yeah, I've got like this. I've got this uncle who's he's like 80 or so, and uh, he um, he's pretty successful. He's got pictures with like um, politicians you've heard of, um, like Manny Pacquiao. That's that, cool. Uh, well, yeah. he's a politician. He is a politician, actually, isn't he? Yeah, yeah Philippines. <laughs> But, uh, yeah, so, I mean, Cesar Chavez, pictures of all these guys that he's been around, helped their campaigns, did this and that, um, and ma- made a good chunk of cash. And he told me, like, I still don't know what I want to do, and I'm 80. And, like, by all stretches, you would, you would, you would hear his story, and you would say, wow, he's done it. He knew what he, he was successful, he knew what he wanted, and he knows what he wants, and I want to be one of those people that know what they want. Mm-hmm. And he's just like, I don't know what I want. <laughs> Just like everybody else. Yeah, I mean, some people have callings, other people don't. Like, uh, I thought I wanted to be a doctor forever, and then I realized I hated hospitals. <laughs> well, there's lots of. I think it's just. The, I think it could be just be the lighting in hospitals. I don't, I don't like the fluorescent lights. lights. Yeah, it feels, yeah. Like a, it feels like a bad acid trip, dude. Mm. It is just aggressive. <laughs> it's funny. You like walk in there, it's like, oh. <laughs> you just got like flashbanged in cod. This is not exciting. Like that's your work environment. You see that every day. Yeah, you have a lot. Like you have to pay me a lot of money to want to do that. Mm. Well, we do make a lot of money to do that. Yeah, that's what they're calling. I want to go help people. Mm. Like I want to go save lives. <laughs> like that's cool, man. But those lights, dude. <laughs> those lights. What's gonna save me yeah. from those lights? Yeah, dude. I don't know. <laughs> There's a lot. I need a lot of audience to be able to deal with that. All right. So, if you could. Shout out to the street and say something that people would hear you say it and they would listen to you and they would understand it. What would that be? 
don't know. You you told me to like prepare for this. And I was not. I was like thinking about. It. I just like to tell you to prepare for it. And typically, I just give people that and just hopefully you know put them up in there against the wall and they're like, oh geez. But you asked for agenda, so I threw it on there. Yeah, I'm somewhat organized. <laughs> I would. I kind of contemplate reaching two of them. The first okay. one is just don't be boring. Okay. Yeah. Don't be boring and when in doubt, go with whatever makes a better story. You know, like yeah. like there's so much stuff to do. And people like I don't know, maybe it's just because I'm a raging extrovert. But like a lot of people just wanna like, oh I'll just watch the office again. Yeah, go do something new. Go mm-hmm. go for a walk. Go do this thing, try a new thing, learn a hobby, buy stuff on Etsy instead of Amazon. You know? <laughs> Be interesting. It put like it takes a little bit of effort to do that, but I would recommend it. I like that a lot. I really do. Um I really vibe with that because like like I said, like even just even just doing this podcast, it's like I have a corporate job. It's nine to five, and and I do, and I don't look at it like a job. Like we were saying earlier, like I do A, B, and C. I get to help with. Here's the goal: use your talents to get to Luciano, right? So that's great. But like, you know, it's still you know forty hours a week, whatever. So this podcast for me is just like a way to be interesting. <laughs> you know, have something when in doubt. It, ask Luis to come hang out for a bit, record the conversation, put it out there, and fuck, you got a story now. Yeah, I want to do it. I think I want to start a podcast so I can just use excuses to have conversations with people that I don't deserve to have conversations with. That's what I use it for. Like, like, hey, you should come on my podcast. podcast. <laughs> That's great. Yeah, yeah. CEOs, entrepreneurs, and, and other people too. Like, it's it's a cool thing. What was the other thing, though, that you um, said you were debating about? You said you had two of them. Oh, so the one is don't be boring, and the other one is go with whatever makes a better story. Because I feel like they're Those the same thing. I don't know. I, right. I don't know. Don't be, I mean, it could be different. Which one did we just talk about then? I think we talked about... I guess they are kind of the same thing. So I have one <laughs> thought. Don't be boring. Go with whatever makes a better story. Okay. Right? And also, you know, wash your car. It's better for you. Hmm. Having a clean car is good for your health. It's good for your mental health. I would agree. Tell me why. I don't know. You know what David Goggins says, make your bed or whatever. So yeah. I'll tell people to make, wash their car. I also love washing my car. <laughs> Mr. Mr. Clean or whatever. You, Mr. Got, your, you got your Mr. Clean. Uh, yeah, Mr. Car pass. Wash? Oh, my God. Mr. Car Wash, yeah. <laughs> I go to the shooting range. It's a dirt road. And every time I leave there, I wash my car. I look pristine. Now, we're joking around, but your environment affects what you do and how you think and what you say and who you hang out with. It's true. And all that stuff equates to whether or not you have a good life. It's true. I, I tried to make my bed every day, and I'm not very good at that. Hmm. But, you know. I do it lazily. Like, I'll, I'll just, like, throw the sheets over, boom, and then I'll, like, straighten it out, and that's it. That's it. I don't, like, do the tucking in or anything like that. It doesn't look fancy. I don't know. I thrash at night. I, like, okay. toss and turn. So yeah. I'm, like, grab all the blankets. <laughs> I'll go to a hotel room that has, like, the perfectly made bed, and it'll look like someone stayed there for a week one night and be sleeping there. <laughs> Yeah, when I when I like change my sheets and stuff like that, I don't even make my bed. I just throw the sheets on. It's like, all right, we'll just unfold these the first time you sleep on it because that's how it's gonna work out. It's like that. Yeah. Well, Luis, this was a great conversation. Thank you for having me. It was exciting. Appreciate it. I want we can do it again sometime. Maybe I should start my own podcast finally. Please go ahead. I'll love to uh, do anything I can to help you yeah. out with it. And we'll call it nothing in particular. The slightly unprofessional professional podcast. <laughs> Boom. That will be the title of this episode. <laughs> Perfect. Thank you. All right, and that's a wrap. Thank you one more time to Luis. It was a lot of fun, a lot of fun to record the episode. Um, Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast and give it a five-star rating. And until next time, have a great one.